What is this tea? Dandelion. Dandelion chai probiotic. <laughs> That's what it says. Dandelion chai probiotic? Yeah. And this helps what, you said? Somebody told me that dandelion prevents the spike protein from, I don't know. How, does, how does it do that? I don't, I... The tea? <laughs> I don't know, but I also said that this is not the reason why I was drinking. I mean, it kind of, I, I like that it does that, supposedly, but supposedly. I like I like the taste of dandelion root. It tea. smells horrible. I mean, you've, you've <laughs> given me some. I, the smell is just, come on. I Bigger, mean, it's beggars not. Beggars can't be choosers. But when I go to drink it, my it hits my nose and I just stop. <laughs> Maybe it's not for you. Maybe you haven't got your sense of taste and smell back. <laughs> well, I've definitely gotten those, but I still am congested, which really annoys me. And I'm working with this producer guy on some music stuff, mm -hmm. and he told me that he's ha he got he got pneumonia pneumonia with COVID last year, wow. a year and a half ago, and he still has the congestion. Really, I was mortified. It's like that's that. What, what do you mean? What has congestion? How? What? How does it manifest? I don't know. I mean, I, I've talked for to you. Him. I don't. I don't. Oh, for me, um, it's just gross. Uh, Hawking up loogies. Occasionally, yeah. Like mm. it's like something in my chest that wants to get out, and it's clear, mm. and it's for the most part, sometimes a little yellow, but um, gross. And I know. And then, uh, and then. Like some of my fur is staying with you through nostrils. this. I would leave. I would leave you. <laughs> I mean, I can't have my woman hawking up yellow loogies no. on the regular. It's just. <laughs> well, there are things that he does too, which you know. Does he fart? <laughs> I'm not going to talk about it. <laughs> Why? Not even talk about farting. No, because I, I'm, I'm protecting Ferd's. You know, like, sanctity. His. Yeah, I don't know what he's. I don't know. If, I mean, yeah, I don't know. Is farting sh is me. farting shameful? Do you think? For some people, it is. Why? Why is it shameful? Um, it's funny. Every time somebody farts, it's well, funny. Probably, From the beginning of time, probably. Exactly, which is probably... You probably got made fun of it, fun of farting mm. if, when you were a kid, and it's probably shameful, you know? Right. And kids are kids can be mean. Kids can be mean. And if your farts stink, it's a whole other thing. <laughs> I slipped one out with Diana, like... My farts, I've been, I hardly been farting. I don't know why. Your digestion must be really good. I guess so. <laughs> Maybe just my diet. But occasionally I have some gas, but it just, it passes and it's basically smellless. Wow. Yeah. Or minimal. So, but I was in the car and it just kind of slipped out and it's instantly, I was like, oh no, that's a stinker. <laughs> I was like, Diana... I'm so sorry. This is our first time. I just farted. It stinks. We need to open the windows. She thought it was funny. <laughs> well, when you say it and you own it and you're, you know, it's like. It was humiliating. <laughs> I understand where Ferd's coming from. <clears throat> I don't I don't know if he cares or not if I talk about his farts. Probably not, but. I have know. not heard Diana fart yet. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't do it very often either. I don't for for I don't think that he it's not that he's never, but it's not often. 
My grandmother used to just fart. Like, I, I think she just lost control of it or she decided right. she didn't care when right. she was in her 80s. She's just like sitting there talking or just like, I mean, she wouldn't squeeze it out. She just let it come. Right. Yeah. And uh, this is what the body does. I guess so. I guess so. How are you doing? How are you adjusting to Austin? You've been here how long now? It will be, it's two and a half weeks, three weeks on Thursday. What's See? been happening? Well, you had guests. We had guests. Yeah. Our friends, Jenny and Matt, um, which I was very grateful for. Um, they, you know, Jenny's an expert at organizing, so she, she helped us. And, um, and then, you know, we just went around town, you know, it was like, we were discovering at the same time they were, you know, which was, you know, this is like now our hometown, you know, and, and, you know, for, for us to not know what we were doing, you know, it was a little weird, but it felt like we were just all tourists in this town and just looking around and everything feels new. Everything. What, what did you discover? What did you um, see? That was interesting. You know, some, some little shops on South Congress. Mm hmm. Um, I mean, we've, we took them to Barton Springs, which I'd been to before, but I hadn't actually gone in. I, and there are people swimming. And so I just decided to just go down and just feel the water, which is kind of cold, but not like an ice bath. No. Uh, but it's, you know, it's, it's not, it's not going to be fun getting in, uh, at least now, maybe in the summer. Have you, sw have you swum? In yeah, Barton no, in the summer, it's great. I mean, the water stays cool. I think it stays between 68. In 72, it right. never, you know, because it's a natural spring. So it's coming from, you know, below the earth and the water's cool. So uh, it's very refreshing in the summer when it's 100 degrees. How clean is it? Like, is it I, as clean as, as I mean, I, I, I swum in lakes and rivers and. I don't know. That's a good question. Well, uh, it feels you... clean. I mean, it, it seems clean, but there's a lot of people in there and I don't know how much the water is being recycled or how much it moves, but I think it's constantly moving. I think it's a spring that's, cause I, I think it, it's a it, natural, yeah, it's a natural spring and I, it empties into, uh, not Lake Travis, the Colorado river. Yeah. The river there, because when you, when you're, uh, on the river and you get close to Barton Springs, the water starts to get cooler. Oh, mm -hmm. and that which I guess tells me that the it's coming from that cool spring. Right. So, okay. I don't know, but there's lots of people there, and yeah. it's very refreshing. It's it, without it, it's it seems insane. How mm -hmm. could you be in the seat? It's so oppressive, and Barton Springs just feels like okay. There's some place where I can get mm. relief from this insane heat. So just even psychologically knowing it's there. Yeah for me was huge because if it wasn't there right you're just inside ac yeah that's it yeah that's mm -hmm. all right well that's good to know yeah um you went yesterday... to fredericksburg go ahead yeah we went to fredericksburg checked it out it was it was a nice town yeah um but i was gonna say that i i went to trader joe's mm. last night for the first time here. how was that and they hardly had any of the stuff that I usually get. What do you like usually eggs. get? Eggs? They don't have eggs? Yeah, so they'd run out. And I was like, is this, because it's a Sunday, you know, or yesterday was a Saturday, or it's a weekend, maybe everybody's buying up the stuff on the weekends. And so I asked the guy, "Is are you guys filling up back up on Monday? And he said, uh, 
I, they're not sure that when the next shipment's going to come because of the storm. Right. And I was like, oh, right. Storm. What storm? It got cold for a few days and <laughs> rained. There's a little ice on the ground. The whole town freaks out. Come on. Yeah. Get it together, Texans. Yeah. So it was like, you know, that was new. I was like, that's weird. Okay. Well, I understand. Last year right. they got hit pretty hard and uh, it was pretty traumatic for a lot of people. I mean, people died. Oh, I wow. think. Yeah, it was, it was you know, because the snowpocalypse or whatever they called it, but pipes burst and heating went out and it was you know people aren't used to that and they don't have like proper winter clothes and yeah they didn't know how to prepare for it mm. so it was the first time a first no i think they've had that before but it, it, it happens very rarely oh okay. and so um i think this year they're a little you know paranoid obviously well our friend tony texted me and you know said that i should wrap the faucets or let the faucets run mm -hmm. drip and then also the outdoor faucet to wrap it with a towel i was like that's strange. really yeah so i looked it up and this woman wrote this article about why why you have to let it drip you know why here not like in chicago which is because the pipes apparently are only buried one foot deep whereas in a place like chicago they're buried six feet deep right so Makes that sense. made sense, yeah. yeah. So, my, so Ferd and I were out there wrapping our outdoor faucets with towels. <laughs> did that work? I don't. Yeah, I guess it did because it's they're still working. Right. <laughs> did you enjoy the cold? Ah, uh, would I enjoy? And this is something that Ferd and I talked about this morning. Is once it got a little warmer, now it's like fifty degrees mm -hmm. again. We're so grateful. Like the amount of great gratitude that we have for the warmth and the sun. It's like, this is weird. You know, I haven't experienced this in a long time. Because mm. LA is like the same every day. And you just forget, you know? Yeah. And you take it for granted. I mean, and then it gets to 50 degrees in LA and you're like, God, it's so cold. Are we talking about the weather? Oh, we are. <laughs> Is this interesting to anybody? We got to step it up here. Come on. Okay, okay. What, what are we avoiding? Well, I want to know what, what you want to talk about today because you came in feisty. I was feisty? Yeah. Mm. I, uh, no, I'm in the, I'm in the creative mood. Oh. I was making a video for Diana, the, uh, uh, making a little, Instagram real commercial, I guess, for her product, mm. uh, Smart Clean Laundry Ball. Oh. So I was trying to figure out how to make it cute and funny and real. Uh, and it's I'm almost there. But whenever I'm working on something like that, I when I'm working, I'm grumpy. <laughs> I'm, I, I, I'm not in this uh, flow state of... Yeah, no, it's... And apparently, uh, I've seen studies that uh, grumpy workers are the most productive. Really? Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. There's just a slight sense of annoyance. Like, well, you're trying to get it right. That's what it's about. You're trying to get it perfect. Right. And, and done. Uh, and Finish. done. Yeah. And so there's, a, there's, a, I guess there's an anxiety around that. And you always, you always kind of get there. And I, I didn't finish it. I, I mean, I had a couple of good takes that I was happy with, but I'm trying to get the tone exactly right, and then also relax into it hmm. so that it's very well it's very relaxed 
and I, I still could see the performance in in what I was doing, and the, it's a good performance, but I can see the performance, mm, and mm-hmm. I want to not see the performance. So I said I'm going to take uh, the day, the rest of the day off, and uh, I'll pick it up again tomorrow, and it, and that usually works because then it's somewhere it's embedded in your mind, it sinks in a little deeper, and then usually the next day I can just blow it out. And I also, you know, I didn't really rehearse or I don't like to rehearse. I don't like to memorize it in advance mm-hmm. because I want to, I don't know, I want to figure it out. So that made me grumpy. And then we had a huge day yesterday. Well, I got my hair cut. Oh, yeah, you I can't, can't see it. it. No, but right. it's like a short, just like it used to be, Uh huh. you know, um, and uh, that was a big deal. Do you like it? Yeah, it's great. I felt I feel like me again. I actually mm. feel handsome. You look I, handsome. Thank you. I mm. feel handsome. I wasn't feeling handsome uh, for the last year. I'd literally, I was literally like, I mean, despite the jokes I made in the last podcast, I'm like, it's over for me. <laughs> I'm not hot anymore. And uh, there was something about the hair. I, I just there was no uh, way that I could comb it or put it up in a bun or in a ponytail that I ever felt like I looked good. Sometimes with it down, you know, it's got that, you know, you get that long hair, sexy look, but something about it never, I don't know, the look just didn't, I never liked it. Mm. But, you know, it's the hair two and a half years since the haircut and the hair's wow. long and am I going to get rid of this hair? And finally we rock, paper, scissored. You and Diana. This is how Diana th- makes her decisions. Yeah. Chance. Mm-hmm. Let's see what Chance has to say. I'm like, wh- why would we do that? So a Chance. Chance knows. So we rock paper scissored, and uh, uh, Chance told me to get my hair cut, and mm. I did yesterday morning. This great girl Molly, I think it's called Culture Salon out in Bee Cave. Mm. Uh, no nonsense, not like an LA spa or a salon, just nice, nice, cool, casual. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, she took care of me. It was a great cut. And then, uh, we went shopping. We had a regular oh. day, Diana and I. Wow. We got her hair cut. She got her hair done, you know, blow dried out, curled or whatever. She came with me. This is the other thing. Mm. She's like, I made an appointment for me at the same time. I'm like, what do you mean? She's like, well, I'm coming with you. <laughs> and the idea that my girlfriend or any person is coming with me to get my hair cut, it's like, what? What do you mean you're coming with me? Well, of course I'm coming with you. It just was so strange. Because it was a big deal that mm-hmm. you were getting... Yeah, I, I don't understand. suspect she'll be coming with me to every right. haircut, but <laughs> this one, she felt like it was a big deal. And I think she wanted to weigh in. Mm, right. So Did she? Uh, yeah. I mean, she weighs in, but she's not like controlling about it right but she's got a well she's she's got she's gonna be the one looking at you that's true that's true she she should uh that's uh, how i feel about Ferd. mm. like why would you wear that i'm the one who's looking at you (laughs) (laughs) that's true that's true well also we we booked a photo studio for yes yesterday because she's going to the exchange is i'm gonna make this smart ball smart clean uh, laundry ball ad for her and uh she's going to redo my website wow mm-hmm. uh-huh 
So she's got a whole vision for it, including the photography, which she wanted to shoot herself. So we booked a photo studio. So I went right from getting my hair cut to shopping for her because she wanted to take some pictures too. And uh, so she got some clothes and then we got home and then we went to the studio and we were there for three hours with the lights, the whole thing. And, uh, she, it's honestly uh, the best photos of me ever taken. Wow. <laughs> I, I was astonished. That's saying a lot because you've had a lot of photos taken in your lifetime. Yeah. But you know, like the Riker brothers photos, yeah. like mm-hmm. those were good pictures, yeah. right? Those guys are really, really good. Um, as good or better. Who is this? Diana. Diana took the pictures? Mm-hmm. Oh, you booked a studio and she took the no, pictures. No, she took the pictures. Amazing. Yeah. yeah, they're amazing. Wow. Amazing. Um, and you know, we didn't we just we just in some studio. They had a few little props and and it was fun. We just played and we figured it out. Obviously, I'm pretty good at posing. I got good at it uh over all the years of being an actor. So but yeah, I got some great shots. So it, 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 seeing the pictures and seeing it, I started to see something come together. Like, oh, I could see my website really evolving and being something really good. Like if mm-hmm. she, I mean, she's, her web design is amazing. So I'm like, oh, I might have a really cool website mm-hmm. with, you know, great design, great photography. And now I have all these pictures you know, for Instagram or whatever, because this is the game that we're mm-hmm. playing. You got to put yourself out there all the time. That's what wins the day. Mm-hmm. People post pictures of themselves. I mean, all the people I pay attention to, they're posting all the time. And mostly, not all, but a, well, say a lot of what they post is pictures of themselves. Mm-hmm. Because in a sense, they're the brand. That's what they're selling. So that's what people want to see. And you, you know, they want to see you all the time. And that's how they get to know you. They get to know you more and more. And the more they know you, the more they trust you. And the more they trust you, the more they're likely to come to a workshop or whatever it is. So I guess I've reconciled myself to the fact that I have to get back in that game. Mm. Which, Interesting. Yeah. It's like being an actor all over again, yeah. or at least some of the things that I had to do as an actor. So I have to, you know, it's like, okay, I guess I got to get my haircut every six, eight weeks to make sure I'm looking good all the time. Because I realized like I have to be taking pictures of myself all the time. Mm. If I want to increase my Instagram following, my social media following, which will definitely lead to more people being aware of me, more people being aware of my workshop. So, you know, in some way it's like, well, this is, you know, it's an exercise in narcissism. I'm just going to post pictures of myself, (laughs) but this is what it is. This is the world we live in. And if I want people to come to my workshops, if I want people to know and learn about my work, uh, the best thing I could do is post sexy ass pictures of myself all over Instagram. (laughs) I think, or cool or something, is, something that's engaging, something that gets people to, to click on. Is that narcissism? I don't know, but you know. I, I do know what you mean, but I'm just curious, like, you know, thinking about, um, I, I guess for myself too, you know, just putting myself out there more. Like, I wonder, is this my narcissism or is this just what I want to do? Well, and, yeah. Well, it can be creative. Right. You know, I, yeah. with some people, I see it as an expression of their creativity. It doesn't feel like narcissism. I mean, I guess we're all narcissistic in a way. There's no way to escape that. But this is the world we're in. This is the game we're playing. And uh, if you see yourself as a as a brand or what, what you do as a business, then 
you're just advertising for your business and everybody's advertising for their business. Everybody wants to be known. I mean, that was when I talked with this business coach person that I'm going to start working with next week, Luke, the thing, you know, he had me close my eyes and, you know, uh, drop in and just say what everything would be like a year from now. Imagine it's a year from now and everything that you want, you've gotten and just, just talk like from that place. And the thing that kept coming up was like, I want to be known. I want to be Mm. known in Austin. I want everybody to know who I am. And, uh, how do you do that? Well, you got to put yourself out there. You got to show up at events. You got to have a presence. You got to be creating, writing, making videos, doing Mm. something so that people can know who you are, where you are and whatever block you have around that, whatever shyness or issue with, you know, self-confidence or belief that, well, that's just narcissism and self-promotion is uh, tacky that forget it. It's got to go. Like Mm -hmm. you have to, I mean, you have to, I think, find a way to make sense of it. But I guess the way I'm making sense of it is just like, um, my public persona is my business and I have to treat it like a business. And the hope obviously is I can separate (laughs) that persona from myself. Well, and also that the point of it in a higher self level is that you're here to serve. Right. And so you're putting yourself out there to let people know, Hey, I'm here uh, if you need something that I, I can give to you. And no, I, I want them to love and adore me <laughs> and start a cult. That's what I'm after. I'm kidding. Well, there, no, but that's the narcissism. There, yeah, that's you the know, narcissism. There's, and, and that's important to acknowledge. To know. Yeah. That that's somewhere in there. Right. Mm-hmm. And I want to win. I want to be the best. I want to crush all my opponents. I want them to recognize... <laughs> That I am the greatest. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> right. I've been talking a lot about that. We've been talking a lot about that. Just it feels like that's the center point of my philosophy and of my work. And it's been coming up with a lot of my clients. Just you got to own your shadow. You got to, you got to go deep down in there and know what's going on and in all that kind of narcissism and, uh, you know, just the anger, the judgment, the desire to punish, like just all the dark shit, the more you can own it and play with it, just play with it. You know, Mm -hmm. it's, it just feels like the key to everything. How do you play with it? Well, like I just did. Right. Just, I just let myself have it. And I'm, I'm in the awareness. I, I feel the energy where there's a part of me that want, yeah, I want that. And I also feel the distortion in it. And holding it lightly, it just feels like it has less, it's, it's less likely that it, it's going to take over or, or be the thing that's truly motivating me. So, but you can't separate yourself. We can't separate ourselves from our shadow. It's not something that can be uh, overcome or transcended. It has to be uh, just acknowledged, accepted, and kept an eye on. You know, keep an eye on it. And I think naming it when it comes up is actually the way to do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. um, It's interesting because when you say that, naming it when it comes up, um, sometimes when you name it, when it comes up, you'll get shamed for it. Yeah, no. Yeah. 
I'm over that. Well, I know somebody who had that happen and it's mm-hmm. like, you know, it just, um, it, it's like you're trying to, you're trying to own something. Yeah. And you're trying to do that with someone who you feel like would be a safe person. Right. And then they shame you for it. Well, that's part of what you have to learn to do is hold yourself there. So you will be shamed for it because people who are have disowned shadows, who reject that aspect of themselves, they will shame you. Are we about to talk about Joe Rogan? We can talk about Joe Rogan. Well, I wasn't thinking this was going to go there. But. Well, I mean, it's it's a kind of a perfect example. Mm-hmm. What know? do you mean? Well, just that. So do you want to say what's, what's, hap- what's happening with Joe Rogan? Everybody people? knows what's happening. He's Well, what, what's happening with Joe Rogan? Um, I think people are trying to get him kicked off Spotify. He, uh, he had on uh, two doctors, McCullough and Malone, and got accused of spreading disinformation. Misinformation. Misinformation. And now they're accusing him of racism. Because he used the N word, uh, of course he didn't use it uh, to describe anybody. He was just using it in the context of uh, somebody else saying it. I guess uh, he apologized. He's made two videos in the last uh, two weeks. Apologized for for all of that, and I, which I thought was, I thought the apology. I, I don't know. There's a lot of debate over whether mm-hmm. or not he should have apologized. And I guess my answer to that is I'm going to reserve judgment because I don't know what it feels like to be at the center of a war between the regime and the insurgency. Like this is so fucking hardcore what's going on. Uh, and to be at the center of that, uh, I wouldn't, I don't know how to navigate that. I, it's crazy. Uh, the pressure that he's under mm. and uh, you know what he represents right now. So I'm giving that dude a, uh, you know, a lot of slack and, uh, yeah, he's under attack and some might say deservedly. So I think it's clearly a coordinated effort. It has nothing to do with misinformation. It has nothing to do with, uh, vaccines or racism. It's just, he has a tremendous amount of power and he's destroying everybody in the ratings. Anyone, anyone in the mainstream, and uh, they don't like it. And he's a, a good-hearted man. He's uh, discerning. He's a good-faith character. I mean, the, the the statement he put out last week was probably the best response to a controversy that I've ever heard anyone put out. You know, he acknowledged his mistakes. Uh, he said he was going to do better. Uh, he gave perspective to the whole thing, which is... Uh, Lots of things that were uh, misinformation yesterday are the truth today, like the lab leak theory, like masks, like vaccines, you know, at least the aspect of the vaccines where they said it was going to stop the pandemic and it was going to stop the spread and it was going to stop you from getting COVID. That is what they told us that didn't work out. And if you said that that was bullshit, whether it was the lab leak or the masks, uh, and I know it's, I know that the mask, cloth mask, but Lena Wen, the CNN medical correspondent that she went on, she went on CNN and said the cloth masks don't work. So 
and this is the most, you know, uh, strident uh, person, you know, pushing the lockdowns, mandates, all of it. So um, I think that's the point he's making, and I think it's a good point. And uh, but no, this is just a coordinated uh, attack, and uh, it's just about power and control, in my mind. And uh, and it's also mass projection. Right, they're the ones spewing out constant misinformation. They're the ones who are racist. I mean, I keep saying this, but it has to be named and understood. This is, if you're using racism, or you're exploiting racism, uh, as a tool to malign your opponent for social and political gain, that's evil. You're the racist. You don't care about racism. You're just using it as a tool to win this political game. That's what they're doing. I'm not saying there's not people on the left that don't care genuinely about racism, but that's a separate issue. They may care about racism. They may care deeply about it, but if you're also using it as a way to win political battles, that to me is fucking gross. And that's what they're doing to him. He's clearly not a racist. But that's how they're going to categorize them. It's the same as the truckers. I mean, if you look at the Canadian media, and I, you know, I don't follow all of it, but there's a few Twitter personalities I follow from Canada, people who are reporters, work for major news organizations. And the basic tone of their uh, tweeting is these people are racist, these truckers. It's essentially white nationalist movement, a white nationalist movement. And uh, that's not what it is. Are there white nationalists among them? I, mean, I don't know. Maybe. I mean, I know they said there was a Nazi flag. Okay. When you have an open insurgency like that, um, all kinds of yahoos are going to show up. You don't, you don't know who that person is. You don't know what they really stand for. You don't even know if that's a false flag, potentially. Uh, I know people say that sounds crazy, but... That we know that that happened at Occupy Wall Street. Wall Street, we know that we know that it happens all the time. But either way, even if it was, does, are you going to point to one thing and say that represents the entire movement when there's all kinds of uh, different people there, men, women, black, white, Muslim, whatever? They're all there, and they're all standing against mandates. And you're just going to characterize that whole thing as a white supremacist movement or uh, or motivated by race, whatever it is. It's I, I just find that to be despicable. Mm. So I don't know what you think about that or, or how that all ties in with. Well, I was I was um, just thinking about, you know, I, I'd heard about the Joe Rogan thing and and then I listened to his first video and I just thought wow you know it was it just felt like a very sincere video to me yeah and um and he was owning some things and he was like I'm going to change some things in terms of who I choose to interview or, or choose different kinds of people like he was he was willing to make that change and I thought that was really mm -hmm. uh powerful humble thing to do yeah and then um, I didn't hear about this next thing. I guess some video came out. 
Yeah, there was a video came out that was a compilation of him using the N-word. Right, and I, I didn't know about that, but I saw his second video mm-hmm. um, basically apologizing and owning some things. Mm-hmm. And it just felt to me like... Um, like like what I was saying, it's like you own something, you're going to get shamed for it, you know, sometimes, right, right. you know, and here it is. <clears throat> and he, I, I'm curious, like, what happens next? Like, does he stand in what he knows about himself and his, you know, he's owning something or, I, I don't know, I can just feel the place where mm, he's going to be made bad. Again, of course, of course. No, well, already the uh, organization—it's a political organization that put out that video, that that put together that compilation. They immediately came out and said, "Yeah, the apology—it's not enough. It didn't ring true. Didn't feel sincere." Spotify, you need to take them off your platform. So you know they don't give a fuck. It's, this is the thing, people. It's all fucking a Game of Thrones. Nobody, you think this is reality? These are people. They have meetings. We got to take out Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan is a threat. We got to take out Joe Rogan. How can we do that? That's what they're doing. There's meetings literally about that. We got. We have to take out Joe Rogan. That's what's going on. It's it's political warfare, and he is. That's what they did to Trump. Took him out. Kicked him off social media. Right. That's what they're trying to do. They're not going to ever really do that to Rogan, but that's what they're trying to do. Yeah. They're going to shame him. They don't care. Never apologize to the mob. Never apologize. And that's, I think, I I think that's the mistake he made. Now we'll see what he does next. He's a pretty smart guy. And maybe that was the right move. Maybe apologize and then see how they respond. And then, and then you'll know if they don't have any integrity, which clearly they don't then you know you're at war and then you go to war. Mm-hmm. I mean, he knows what's going on. I think. I mean, I, I, look, I don't mean that. Like I know what's going on. He doesn't. I just mean, obviously he's got a perspective that none of us can have, but we also, when you're inside the thing, sometimes it's hard to see. Mm-hmm. It feels really scary to me, all of this and sad. The truckers and the and the Joe Rogan situation. It, you know, it goes back to how I felt with the Trump stuff. It's I understand people hated Trump, but to disparage all the people who voted for him as racist or backward, ignorant, or as uh, Jeff Brown, I list as podcast with jeff brown soul shaping jeff brown Mm -hmm. basically said well you know all the people who voted for trump it's just unresolved trauma they just had unresolved trauma it's like so what about the people who fucking reacted like in a hysterical manner to trump like you jeff is that also unresolved trauma because that's what it looks like to me just the level of condescension is it's insane the lack of self-awareness. It's just, it's just hatred. It's, and it's also self-loathing, but it's on. This is just what it is. This is the history of the world. This is what we do. It's all about power and control. 
at that level. And Rogan is just a soldier in the culture war, which is, you know, culture and politics are entwined. And they're just trying to take out one of the top soldiers any way they can, because he's a threat. He has power. He's, and he's gaining more and more power as he goes. And they're losing power, so they have to take him out. It's the easiest way to do it. Call him a racist. But I think that tactic is, I think it's over. I don't think people are falling for it anymore. Hmm. I mean, lots of people are, obviously, because it's scary to be called a racist. But I ignore it. I just assume when someone's screaming racism that it's it's just a tactic, it's bullshit, it's projection. That's the other thing. It's like psychology 101. I mean, you know, if you're working with somebody and they're constantly screaming about how much of an asshole this person in their life is, you're just like, well, what's going on for you, dude? Why are you so upset by them? Why, why are you so fixated on them? What's going on there? Mm. And there's certain things about them that you really don't like, that re- really brings up stuff in you. I'm working on the presumption that that's disowned in them. And it's like right 99% of the time. It's almost always the case. So when you have one group of people screaming at another group of people that they're racist, I'm just assuming that they are racist. And, And I don't mean that we're all racist. Just FYI, mm-hmm. we are, our brains are racist. Our brains categorize. That's how they it evolved, right? That's how our brains evolved. So again, to go back to the conversation about owning our lower self, I don't have any shame about my racial thoughts. I've never had any shame about, for whatever reason, about my racist thoughts. I guess because we've talked about this before, I know I'm not a racist. Like in my heart, I don't have any, uh, I, I don't judge. I, and I don't feel that I'm better than anybody because of the color of my skin or my religion or my gender. I've ne- like I, That's not a thought that's ever entered my mind. And so when I make, uh, my brain makes uh, judgments about another culture or stereotypes, it, it's not in a way that's saying I'm better and they're less than. It's just like, oh, they're different interesting and i want to know more about that but in a way you could you could categorize that as right if i said oh you know black people are better athletes than white people that's racist i guess i guess Mm -hmm. i don't know why because everybody can see it well maybe the presumption that they are and if you're talking to some black person who's not good at sports at all it's very humiliating for that person i understand <laughs> you need to be sensitive to the of black people who can't jump <laughs> well you know what i'm saying though yeah yeah so I, I guess what i'm saying is my sense is that that people who are always accusing somebody else of racism like there's they, they probably feel in their own mind the, the mechanism of their brain and that they 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 are in fact have racist thoughts Right, and they have judgments, and they feel shame about that. They feel like there's something wrong with them, mm. and so they disown from that, and they put on this front. I love black people, and anyone else who uh, doesn't um, 
share their approach to that. Uh, they, in their own mind, they, 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 I don't know how to say this, but it seems racist to them in, in terms of the framework that they've made up in their own mind about ha- how to handle their racist thoughts. So if you're free and open, if you're not afraid to talk openly about race and gender or the transgender issues and to ask questions and to uh, probe in and to assume um, that there are differences, I think that that's very confronting for a lot of people. And so they, they, they don't know how else to see, uh, see it other than that's racist or, or homophobic or transphobic or whatever it is. Well, it is scary to be called racist, you know, Mm -hmm. and then be ousted from the tribe, you know, in some way. Mm -hmm. And I'm just thinking, I guess the reason why I am um, more invested in this Joe Rogan story is because I like Joe Rogan, right? you know, and I I like some of the interviews that I, I don't listen to all, I don't think I've ever listened to an entire Joe Rogan interview. Yeah, they're long. They're like three hours, except for David Cho. I like that one. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, yeah, I like I like who he is. I like what he stands for. Um, you know, I like what he's done, even in this, what he's done in the last couple of videos he did. I, I like it. You know, I felt like his apology was sincere. I mean, I don't know, you know, like, yeah. but it, it felt that way to me. Um, and I'm scared that, you know, saying this or owning that I like Joe Rogan, somebody will be like, well, that makes you racist, Angela, mm-hmm. you know? And yeah, you're supporting a racist. Yeah. I mean, you know, similar things probably are projected onto me by being friends with you, you know? Yeah. And it's, there is something scary. Those people are evil. <laughs> I'm, I'm being well, fucking serious. Don't I know, listen to I, I, them. No, Don't I hear, fucking I hear you, listen to it. I hear you, but, but they, I also, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I'm thinking about friends of mine, you know? Mm-hmm. And I know that you've gone through this, mm-hmm. but I haven't, you know, maybe because I've been scared, mm-hmm. you know, of this. Like the idea that, like, I will be judged so harshly that, you know, I'm, I'm cut out. And, yeah. you know, it's already happened in some ways with... Like what I what I talked about with my mom and my sister and and all of that, you know. But it's like it it, it keeps happening. You know, there's like mm-hmm. bigger things that or other things that come up, like like this. You know, like if you if you if you are this way, if you like this person, if you hang out with this person or you support this person, then I cannot be in connection with you. I can't be known to uh, support you or be with you or work with you or, you know, mm-hmm. be friends with you yeah, or be family members with you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm saying this for myself, but I also, you know, I feel like that that's true for a lot of people, you know, and to stand in just the fact that I like Joe Rogan and just be in that, you know, that's, it's still new for me. Right. You know? Yeah. It's scary. But it shouldn't be scary. I mean, this guy's completely mainstream. He's a good guy. And you are you are scared of saying that you like Joe Rogan. I mean, that's insane to me. Mm. It's absolutely insane. And the people that are uh, shaming you or the people that you imagine might shame you. And there are people 
a hundred percent, you know, people, I'm sure if you went on Facebook and posted, I love Joe Rogan and I support him. You have lots of people that are in your friend group that would, I don't know if they'd say anything, but they would judge you for it Mm -hmm. or they would think you're delusional or ignorant. And that's crazy. It's sad. And I just, you know, we've, we've been through this before, but I just don't know. I mean, I'm spending less and less time worrying about it mm-hmm. because obviously I'm over the threshold. Everybody knows, mm-hmm. you know, where I stand on things. So you're with me or you're not. It's kind of over. But I do feel, I, I continue to feel some sense of, uh, I'll say obligation, but almost a duty, or maybe it's just my own conscious to express myself in certain moments and so i felt like i had to say something about this rogan situation just publicly like this is where i stand on this just fyi i'm not going to engage i'm not going to be tweeting all day about it but it's just like fyi like i'm on this team Mm. because you need to stand up right now like what they're doing to him is it's evil that's a good guy that's a good guy and uh he's not even He's not even conservative. Hmm. I mean, he's, he voted for Bernie. He, he said he would, wanted to vote for Bernie Sanders. You know, he, he's uh, basically progressive, but he likes to hunt and uh, he's into guns. He's got a different opinion on guns. And, uh, you know, he's about self-responsibility, certainly. And he's a bro. And he's a killer. And he's really smart and he's a comedian and they can't make sense of it. Especially Mm -hmm. these folks on the left who went to these Ivy League schools who don't deadlift and are all up in their heads. They, a guy like that is a threat to them. They don't like, they don't, they don't want to think that somebody like that is actually smarter than they are. They can't tolerate it. And I don't think they actually believe that, but they, you can't not see that he's intelligent. And he's hanging around with a lot of very intelligent people who have give give him a lot of respect. And he's incredibly successful and popular and respected. I think it drives him crazy. And he talks, he loves talking about hunting and guns and working out. And I think that drives him crazy. He's a real man. He's he's old school masculinity. He's he's everything that like old school old school masculinity. When I think about old school masculinity, like John Wayne or Gary Cooper, that's what Rogan is. I mean, I know people have an image of what John Wayne is, but they probably haven't seen any John Wayne movies to see what he actually represents. It, he, what he represents is service. I'm here to serve. I sacrificed myself to serve for the greater good. Mm. That's my duty as a man. A man's got to do what a man's got to do. And that's what all his movies are about. And same with Gary Cooper, like Shane. There's a there's an ethos in that. It's very, very deep. And uh, that's what I see with Rogan. And that's mm-hmm. what I see in his public statements. He understands the position he's in. And he's continuing to understand it and take responsibility for it. And he knows that uh, because of the position he is, he has to... He's got a responsibility to to hold that in a way. And that's complicated. Mm. But there's no question right now, like in the culture, Joe Rogan is the man. 
He is literally the man. Mm. And maybe, you know, I've said this all along, if we've been looking for the man to set things straight, and that's the problem in the culture, that, that men had become have become corrupted. Women too, by the way, because there's fucking women dating these fucking guys. They're not keeping them in line or married to these guys. So they went along with it. And the whole fucking thing has become corrupt. I mean, just look at the culture. It's gross. And uh, where are these people who are holding the line on, on virtue and responsibility and community and family and doing the right thing, not just trying to take what's yours? And get the most that you can out of this. And I think, I think Rogan, you know, he's not a perfect guy. He's, he's got his stuff, but he's got a lot of integrity. And mm. I, I think there's a longing for that. That's why so many people run to Jordan Peterson, so many men, myself included. It's like you want, like men need uh, authority, especially young men. You, you, you want authority figures to sort of, to guide you, to set boundaries, to keep you straight. It feels good. I don't know what it's like for women, but as a man, it just, that feels good to me. I mean, I think it also could be, you know, I needed a father who was going to stand up to my mother. Right. And a lot of times he didn't. And so I think when I'm looking at someone, whether I'm attracted to them or not as a person, it's like Joe Rogan seems like that kind of person that would stand up to my mother. You mm, know what I mean? Yeah. And so I think that that's part of it too. You know, right. like if you project something evil on Joe Rogan, like you did your dad, you right, know, right. then that's, that's what, you know, you're gonna, you're gonna hate him. Because you're, you experienced men like that, whether it be your father or bullies at school as abusive and scary. And so when you see Rogan, you just have that emotional visceral response because the jockey guys are always assholes. And very often they are. I get that. I mean, I was a jock and there's a lot <laughs> A lot of guys that I was around that were, were dicks. So, no, I get that. I get that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, again, it keeps coming back. What are, we, what are we supposed to do with that? It's like, so we can we can acknowledge their, their feelings about it. And it's real for them. But now they are trying to, uh, in some metaphoric way, kill him. Not literally kill him. Although... If this was three, four, five hundred years ago, the regime would just burst down his door, take him away, and hang him. Mm. It wouldn't, you know, it wouldn't stand for that. So now we just they're finding another way to do that. Misinformation. What is, what is that? Miss you corrected me. Misinformation. Disinformation. Misinformation. Oh, okay. He was. I guess he was his. Uh, he's spreading misinformation by having these people on these interviews asking them questions and letting them talk yeah i mean what about fauci what about the fucking cnn what about the new york times it's constant misinformation there well i mean i i was thinking even on this podcast like i'm definitely spreading misinformation totally totally (laughs) Like I, you know, I think about things I said and I'm like, what? 
We're just having a conversation. Uh, right. We're recording it. And that, that, it's it, again, like I'm listening to Rogan and I don't, I don't take everything that's said in that show completely seriously. Right. I mean, I, I'm, it's, it seems to me that it's a process of discovery and he's asking questions and I think he's as good at it as anyone. And it's definitely not propaganda. I mean, he's, own, he's got his, his own person. He's got his own bias and all that. But what I see coming from the mainstream and in alignment with the state, it's just pure propaganda. It's like, we have a message here, are the talking points, this is what we're going to say. And we stick to it and that's it. It's like, well, yeah, we can feel that. And it feels like bullshit. And you keep changing your story and we're being gaslit. We're being lied to. You're shaming us when we ask questions or we push back against the narrative you're giving us. And so we're going to go to Joe Rogan because he seems reasonable and he's reliable and he's trustworthy a hell of a lot more than you are. But this is, this is what it is. It's war. Like I, I keep saying this, we are at war. This is fourth generation warfare that we are at us in a civil war, but I think it's probably a world war and we don't even know it. And we're going to look back at this time. Uh, I don't know how long it's going to take, but this is a whole new kind of warfare. And is being canceled? Uh... Yes. It's, it's like getting shot. Mm-hmm. It's like getting killed, being canceled. Okay, it's another another person off the battlefield. I mean, John, John Robb, I mean, he talks about this brilliantly. He, I mean, he wrote a book on uh, fourth generation warfare. That's what he calls it. But it's... It's all going to be played out in social media and it's all being played out in the consciousness of the people because, you know, propaganda, you think about World War II, well, people have to read the newspaper. There wasn't even TVs then. There was radio. It's hard to get your propaganda out. Uh, but now with the, the tools of mass media and social media and the technology, I mean, you can just completely brainwash a whole population. No problem at all. And they know that and they know they can control the population. And that's what it is. It's a fight for people's minds. Mm. You're you're fighting over beliefs and the strongest belief system. uh, That's the one that's going to win, right? So that's what we're seeing. And so, yeah, the battlefield is really social media, Google, all of it, all of it, all the tech platforms, because... You know, look what happened to Trump. You kick him off social media. He's not around. Although his specter remains. But imagine Trump tweeting through all of this. I mean, the fact that we are being denied Trump's tweets is just, it's criminal. That is, he's the greatest tweeter (laughs) of all time. He's the Babe Ruth of tweeting. And we are being denied his tweets the last year. I mean, can you imagine the shit that he'd be saying about Biden? It would be so fucking funny. That is the thing I'm most upset about. It's all going to backfire too, because it's all going decentralized. I mean, if they kick Rogan off Spotify, then what's he going to do? Well, he's going to call up Adam Curry mm-hmm. and he said, show me how to do the thing you do. You know, the value for value network. How do I decentralize all this? How do I get off? And that's where it's all going. it's all going to be decentralized. So he doesn't need, you don't need Spotify. You don't need Twitter. And he's got such a huge audience. And he'll just set up shop, build a website, 
and people will make contributions. They'll figure out a way to do it. Do you think he's it. already doing that? I think he's he's probably figuring it out. I'm sure he's had conversations with Adam Curry about it. Adam Curry is very forthright. So I sent, I mean, who knows? But I, I would speculate that Adam Curry is like, hey, Joe, <laughs> oh. you know, you know, you could do it this way. And here's how, and here's the system, you know, podcasting 2.0. I mean, that's what Adam Curry's all about. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. He's he's the one who started podcasting. Yes. And and now he's creating this other. He's the one who's is is yeah behind making it decentralized. Like re- I mean, that's what podcasting 2.0 is. It's a decentralized uh, uh, podcast uh, index. What does that mean exactly? Well, it means that those podcasts remain there and they're always there and uh, there's nobody has uh, control over it. So um, it's not like somebody can complain uh, and then have them take it down. Like you can go to Apple and say, you know, some somebody go to Apple and say this podcast is spreading uh, misinformation and you have to take it down. You can go to Spotify and say that and, you know, put pressure on them and they'll take it down. I mean, Spotify took down, I think they've taken down over 100 episodes of Joe Rogan. Oh. So you can't do that on uh, web or podcasting 2.0 because it's decentralized. There's nobody to take it down. There's nobody, there's no central authority that you can appeal to and say you have to take this down. So Adam it's Curry like, created that. Yeah. Wow. But just, it's the same, you know, it's the same thing with Bitcoin, right? Like this whole GoFundMe thing. So you have this central organization that was controlling that money. And I guess the Canadian government put pressure on them to deny the truckers the funds or who knows what happened but they did nine million dollars well that doesn't happen with bitcoin who do you go to there's no one to go to (laughs) there's no one to say stop this there's no central authority and that's where it's all going and of course if you are the central authority whether it's this the government or your google you you can see the writing on the wall my days are numbered. This is all moving to decentralization. And the implications of that, I mean, I talk about, I talked about this with Mark Weeb. You know, Mark. I don't know him, but I've, I've heard of him. Now he goes deep down the rabbit hole on Bitcoin, way deeper than I've been. But, you know, just the, when you really uh, understand Bitcoin and the implications of it, you realize it's, it's, I, I don't think, I don't, I don't, it's as big a, technological, spiritual, conscious revolution that has ever been. It's crazy, the implications of the concept of decentralization. No authoritative control. There's no authoritative body that's controlling anything. So it means great self-responsibility. Yeah, that's right, because you're responsible for your own private keys but it like once you start to understand and i don't claim to understand i feel like i understand uh two percent of of it but i don't think anybody truly understands it because it's, it's going to take time for it to continue to grow and evolve and and i don't think anybody really understands what it's going to become and i don't mean bitcoin specifically but the the implications of of bitcoin and of of the blockchain and of decentralization and all the cryptocurrencies. Um, it's very, it's, it's kind of mind blowing to me. 
what just what it represents and uh and so if you're yeah if you're the old regime you're part of the old power structure they have to see the writing on the wall they're desperate they're scared and they're going to do anything they can to protect what's theirs i understand it's just it's human nature but I'm not going to stand by and like let them fucking kill me or people that I know. I mean, I think you have to. You don't have to, but it's just stand up. It's a fight. It's a war, and we don't accept that. We don't accept. It's just easier to stick your head in the sand. It's easier to ignore it. And I know people think I'm crazy. People think I'm a conspiracy theorist. People think I'm overreacting. Maybe. But I just read history. I just keep coming back to that. I'm just I'm just looking at history, dude. Just looking at the patterns in history. And this is what it is over and over and over and over and over again. So I'm going to assume that that's happening now. I'm going to apply that lens to what's happening now. And when you apply that lens, the historical lens, and you look at the patterns of governments that have all corrupted, it's all been corrupted, and it's, it's, it's all a Game of Thrones over and over and over again. Um. I just, that's what it looks like to me. I mean, you've said this so many times. Yeah. To me and, you know, I think on this podcast mm-hmm. you said it, but I'm hearing it differently today. How are you hearing it? Um, you finally getting it, Angela? You finally realizing I'm right? Well, maybe because, <laughs> maybe because of what I just, something about this Joe Rogan thing yeah. really... Well, he's a good guy. He's a good fucking guy. And they're just going after him mercilessly. And it's just, it's gross. Yeah. And the idea that he could be canceled. Mm hmm. Like, and the analogy that you're using of war and being shot. Yeah. I mean, we've seen what happens when some people get canceled. You know, they really do go away. Like, you you don't, you're not aware of them anymore, Mm -hmm. what happened, you Mm -hmm. know? And. Um, you know, some people might think that canceling Joe Rogan, like shooting him is a good thing. Yeah. Like it's good for the, it's good for the, the whole of society. Mm -hmm. But I don't feel that way. Mm -hmm. And, um, so I'm hearing what you're saying. It's like, Mm. oh yeah, he he could get shot, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, and, and they, like, I have this feeling that they're going to keep shooting him. Oh, he's know? in the crosshairs. They're not going to stop. I mean, they'll, they'll keep coming with more. They're combing through his podcast, looking for everything. I mean, it's a coordinated effort. They have teams of people working on it. How do you think they assembled? Think, think of the, about the amount of time it would take to go through all of the Joe Rogan podcasts. He has like 1500 or something. At least. And, to find the N-word or to find... I mean, that has to be hundreds of people that they're paying to listen and look for anything and then assemble it together so they can disparage him Hmm. all out of context. It's just, yeah. That's what it is. I mean, and I hear, you know, other people saying you have to stand up, you have to stand up. Mm-hmm. And I guess, you know. Well, you are standing up right now. Aren't you? I You've guess more so. Up. 
Yeah, more so. But I'm just wondering about the people, or even, you know, there's some part of me that is scared to stand up. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's scary. To let myself know what I think or how I feel Mm -hmm. or, you know, where I stand. Um, And to, you know, to let other people know. And then also for me to know where other people stand too. Yeah. It's like, oh, you think that way? Oh, I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's been happening, you know? Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, okay. And, but the, what I respect is that people are standing up. Yeah. And there's something, I think it's, there's something really good in that, regardless of where you're standing. There's something really powerful in that place. I, 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 I think I've always had respect for that. And maybe, yeah, I guess, I mean, it's good for, you, for, for me to hear you say that I am, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but it feels, it feels scary. Mm-hmm. It is scary. Well, they might come after you. And that's one of the reasons they go after Rogan. If they go after Rogan, they go after you. They go after anybody. I mean, if you become big enough or popular enough. I mean, if they if they take a guy like that down, which they won't, they can't. That's why it's all going to backfire. That's 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 how I know they're delusional. That's how I know it's evil, because evil sows the seeds of its own destruction. Do you really think you're going to take out Joe Rogan? Do you really think that's a smart thing to do? There's nobody in the room that said we might want to leave that one alone. That guy's immensely popular. And he's got an army of people who love him and respect him. And I don't think everybody's just going to turn suddenly. And that he's a very smart guy and and he's going to do exactly what we talked about. He's, he's has avenues where he can't be canceled Mm -hmm. and he's going to be independent. And maybe that starts the whole revolution of web three and the whole, that just leads to the system being broken down. What's web three? Well, Web three—it's decentralized. It's the oh, web decentralized, and it's just like a—it's a million things being built right now. Companies—that's—it's all about that decentralized web uh, internet, essentially. This is the framework. Don't don't ask me to like give a detailed because <laughs> I'm not. But it's basically—I mean, it's—it's—is it? Is it it's not pure decentralized. Bitcoin is the only thing that's purely decentralized. But so, I mean, there's all kinds of debate about uh, what Web3 is about. I'm sure there's people listening who know a hell of a lot more about it than I do. I don't really know that much and are rolling their eyes. But um, I think the gist of it, I, I understand. So, yeah, it, it's all going to backfire, of course. And it's just going to, it's part of the evolutionary process and maybe, you know, goes to Howard Bloom's book about evil, the Lucifer principle, where he said that evil uh, serves an evolutionary purpose. It's necessary. If it's here, it must be necessary. I talk about this concept all the time. And so maybe that's what it's doing right now. Like the, the evil that's in the world and even, and, and maybe, you know, there's good and bad, dark and light. I don't know. It's just necessary. It's if you go neutral, about it, if you go to the highest perspective and you just accept evil, yeah, it's necessary. It's fine, no problem. I mean, I'm having my emotional reaction to it, 
because I'm living here on the planet. But if I go to my highest spiritual self and look down, I can see the goodness of it because what's it doing? It's causing people to, to find the higher self inside themselves. It's causing them to stand up. It's causing them to find their courage. And, and in that evolution occurs. So you need the evil, you need the opponent, you need somebody putting that pressure on you, somebody trying to kill you essentially, uh, so that you can rise up and, 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 uh, uh, find, find your deepest strength mm. and evolve what needs to evolve. And that's what's happening. That's where we're at. I guess that's where I want to be. Yeah, of course. I mean, it's all beautiful. I, I can go there too. I can see the beauty in it, the perfection in it. But I'm also, you know, I'm human and I'm here and I'm on the planet and I'm, I, I'm going to let myself feel what I feel. I think, I think that that embodied place is, I think God is in there. Mm. <laughs> yeah. You know, like God is in the fight. That's so funny that you say that. God, well, you're saying God is in the body. Yeah, of course. And in, in my reactions and in my impulses and God is in all of it, in my sexuality and in every everything i i i'm just god is in is in the evil what i'm considering evil what i'm saying is evil the other side these people trying to cancel and take out joe rogan or others and me these motherfuckers who came after me gross it's like that you know and then you get up close you just realize they're stupid extremely stupid and scared. They're zombies. Zombies, meaning yeah. not in their bodies? Not in their bodies. Not They don't even know what they think. Well, I wanted to say something about God being in the body, um, mm -hmm. because I just had this therapy session for myself, which felt so mundane. What do you mean for yourself? With for myself. It was, you know, with my therapist. Oh. And I was talking about how I was, I was talking about a client, uh, it was kind of like a supervision session too, but I was talking about a client who, you know, doesn't want to be in her body, which mm -hmm. is a lot of people. Yeah. But, um, you know, as we do, I, I started to talk about the places where I don't want to be in my body, you know, just to kind of feel out how I could help my client. And then I, I could really feel how generally there's, I mean, probably mostly in the mornings, but it's like, I, I don't want to be in my body at all. Where First, do you go? I just immediately go to the phone. Right. It's like, I'm combing through, I'm looking for something. It's like, just to fill my, my yeah. head, you know? But, you know, just... I mean, even meditation, it's like I'm not somehow in my body or I, I just could feel it. And it's like more I mean, sex. Well, but even like, like I just, I'm annoyed by some of the, the things that I have to do to take care of my body, you know? Right. Me too. Just, What's going on? Yeah. So I just was like, what, what is this? And I was embarrassed to talk about it, mm. but it, and, and it just seems so, 
mundane base, you know, like I don't want to be talking about this, you know, like in this therapy session. So, and, um, and my therapist was great. And he was like, you know, because he knows me, he's like, Angela, you know, I know you, you're looking for God. Mm. You know, I'm always looking for the messages. That's why I I pick up the phone. I'm like, is there a message, a text message, an email message, Mm. some message, you know, and then that message might be the message from God that I need to hear. Right. And, um, he was like, God is in the body. Right. And, you know, you said it today. I've heard that a million times in different places, but I didn't hear it in the way, I don't know, maybe his tone. I'm not sure what exactly Mm -hmm. it was. It went in. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, shit. I've been trying to get out of this, you know, in some way. And so I made a decision that this was like Monday. So I made a decision on Tuesday. Well, he had me go into the place that really hates my body, you know, mm-hmm. just just to own that, to feel that, to embody, you know, my my hatred and and my hatred for God, you know, like I hate you God, like fuck you, you know. And so I did, and it was powerful and it felt right and and I could feel like, you know, throughout the rest of the day, just the places that I say fuck you to myself, you know, just Wow. I mean, having to go to the bathroom, this is like, you know, it's very personal, but it's like, I don't want to go, you know, like, like just to, like I, it's too much, it's such, it's so annoying. takes up time. You know, I want to focus if I, especially if I'm in my creative mode, you know, like, like to, to do something that human on some level, like I could just feel it inside of me, you know? Is that new? It's not new, but the level of consciousness I had around it was new. Hmm. And so I just, the the more conscious I became throughout the day, the next morning I woke up and I was like, what would it be like if I started my mornings not uh, just being in my body, not fighting it? Mm -hmm. Just like brush your teeth, wash your face like start you know boil some water drink it (laughs) and and move move your body first Mm -hmm. thing like Mm -hmm. find what feels good just just be in it Mm -hmm. and i mean these are the things that we teach you know and so i made a commitment i'm going to do it for the next 30 days not not get on my phone at all and I uh, get a lockbox, man. That's what I have. Well, I have, I mean, it, I have the freedom app, you know, that you, mm-hmm. you suggested. So that's been helpful. Oh, that's good. Um, but yeah, I've been doing it for mm. the last few days and trusting that God's in my body mm. and that there's messages that it, it has. Right. And so I'm listening more and I feel, I don't know, something different. Any messages? I mean, just Tell with us. the body. What is God saying? God's saying, I'm hungry right now. Are you hungry? <laughs> oh. Um, but yeah, and I, I, I don't know. Along with that, I just started working with my music again. Like, mm. I just, something, I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's, it's interesting. It is interesting. But yeah, God, God is in the body. I, 
that's God is in the body. Yeah. I feel like that that should be a core, uh, message what in our you you make a sign write it on the wall People, yeah everybody can come in our studio here and see it yeah yeah it's a good one yeah god is in the body well you know watch michael jordan play basketball it's how do you not see god in that mm. watch anybody perform and you know whether it's an actor or a dancer a musician mm. watch prince in his body playing guitar. I mean, that's, it's God in that, you know? Mm. Yeah. Sex, violence. It's all kinds of writing that describes war as, uh, the closest you'll ever get to God. Mm. Mm hmm. Say more. Well, I mean, it's pure. I feel that. I mean, imagine you're on a battlefield and a bunch of guys on one side and you're on another and you all go meet in the middle and start, I mean, the space that you must get into to do that, like you're, you're facing being killed and you're also killing and it's just complete orgy of mayhem and violence. It's, it's pure. It's mm. just pure. There's nothing else. It's just you you must enter into some kind of zone. Energy. Yeah. Like just and it's beautiful. I mean, how many movies have we seen that have that kind of violence over and over and over again? And there's beauty in it somehow. Why do we hate that so much? Why do we do we hate it? I think uh a lot of people do or they they say they do i think they're just afraid of it but I don't, yeah i mean just turn on the tv it's all violence go to a movie it's all violence turn you know sports football it's violence so it people say i don't like violence it's like yeah you do mm. i mean not everybody watches violent movies or watches sports i understand that but to say that the culture is not violent or we're not violent or somehow our violence is a distortion that's that's not true Right. Maybe they don't hate it, but they judge it. They judge it, yeah. But they're judging themselves. They're judging humanity. They're judging, you know, they have it inside them. And I promise you that all of those people, just like all of us, we're, we're at war with something, with ourselves, with somebody else in our family. And we're taking pot shots. We're being cruel. We're trying to kill somebody in some way. You know, not directly, but all there it's the most i think it's the most important thing and it is it is hard and, mo and a lot of people aren't going to understand and to go back to what you said when you do uh own these parts of you like i can there's things that that we've said in this podcast that you know if this podcast was popular you know more popular let's say and really you know people were talking about it well there's certain games that we play there's certain places we go things that we flirt with, like energies or aspects of ourself. And if you take that out of context, it looks, it looks like we're fucking complete psychopaths. Mm -hmm. And the things that go on in our workshop, right? But there's there's an intention to it. The intention is to liberate that. But if you're somebody who's got is disowned from that, you've shamed that within yourself, you even get a whiff of it. 
anywhere else, you're going to, you're going to make it bad. You're going to make it wrong. You don't want to suppress it. You want to, going to want to suppress it out there the same way you suppress it inside yourself. But I just, the more I think about it, the more I you know, work with my clients, I'm just, it's the only thing there is like until you get to the heart of your darkness, you're, you, you won't know God. You can't find God. God is in the heart of your darkness. Mm. I mean, I can still feel my own judgment of mine. My Which? Va- what do you judge? I mean, I'm sure I do too, but... Maybe, like... I'm just thinking about what I judge when I'm watching, you know? This is too much violence. You know, it's like... Ferd loves it. Violence? You know? Yeah, he loves watching, you know, this, this zombie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> watching this Korean zombie. Oh, really? TV show, yeah. And uh, it's like, why did they have to go there? You know, why did he have to bite his eye out? You know? Like, <laughs> right. And Ferd's just laughing. And I'm He's like, laughing. why are you laughing? Oh <laughs> and I'm judging him. It's cathartic. You know? Right, right. It's... It's so interesting, you know, I can, I can, so as you're saying this, I'm listening for myself, like, you know, yeah, maybe if I was in that situation, in that place, like I, I would be biting the guy's eyeball out too. Of course. <laughs> Why not? Be fun. <laughs> right. I think we're, I mean, when I, when I hear it, like, in a workshop or in my clients. I mean, you know, when I, when I feel the, that the person is willing to share that level of truth, I'm so excited. Of course. It's like, ugh, feels so real and honest and human. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the most beautiful things you see happen at our workshops. I mean, I get, I feel that way about you. What do you mean? Like just, the places that you'll go to, right. you know, in your, in your mind that, that you let yourself talk about freely with mm-hmm. me, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. I just get, get excited by that, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, sometimes I, I, I might judge it and be like, what? But then I'm like, you're just expressing and you're mm-hmm. letting yourself express it. It's beautiful. Yeah. yeah. It's awesome. It's yeah. inspiring. And so, Yeah. I want that too. Mm-hmm. Who doesn't? Who doesn't want to be free inside themselves? To, 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 to let anything inside your own mind arise. You don't have control over that. And that's also, it goes to the heart of what we're doing in a different sense, which is deep self-acceptance of everything. Mm-hmm. Just allow and accept, allow and accept, allow and accept. Yeah. Where are you at right now? I'm miserable. I'm I'm broke. I'm lonely. Okay. Can you? Are you willing to let yourself be there without judgment? And just accept yourself here right now without judgment, because it's only when you do that that you can actually get out of this place, that you can liberate yourself from this place, you know, on some, like truly, truly. I mean, you can make moves, 
you, you know, there's little strides you can make, but if you can really, because why are you there? Probably because of shame. Let, let's play this out for a mm-hmm. minute. Cause I'm, I'm, I'm in it. Like when the moment you say that, you know, if I, if I accept it, then I'll be able to move out of it. I'm like, no, that's, no. that's like the, the feeling in this place is if I accept it, I'm always going to be here for the rest yeah, of my that's, life. Yeah, that's that's the illusion. That's the lower self. Well, this is what I believe. So mm-hmm. how do you get me out of this place? Well, just see if you're willing to make a decision to just let yourself be there because that is where you are. And if you come all the way into the present, if you presence what you're actually feeling, something might change. You might feel differently about it. I don't want to feel that. Okay. You don't have to. But do you see the argument that I'm making? Do you see the logic in what I'm saying? Like if you're resisting where you actually are, you're just generating more suffering. Like what if you didn't resist? Like maybe the resistance is the problem. What if you just accept? Just accept where you are. It feels like I'm going to fall. It feels like you're going to fall. Yeah. Yeah. It feels feels that way. Then fall into the abyss and see what happens. Let yourself fall. But why would I do that? Why not? You're already suffering. I'm safer here. There might be something. Are you? Safer than falling into an abyss. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Well, I can tell you from my own personal experience that if you go all the way into the abyss, into the abyss, it's going to take you somewhere else. Where? There's something on the other side. Well, I, I can only say what it's done for me when I went when I was willing to go all the way through the abyss, and it's not an easy thing to do. I understand, and it takes time uh, to get there. It takes time to build the container inside yourself to to deal with all the feelings that will come up if you go through it, namely your terror. But right beside terror is rage. All of that feeling you're gonna you're gonna feel it all. You're gonna experience it all, and it's gonna take you completely out of control, and you feel like you're going insane. But there's something on the other side. You're going to feel unified with yourself. You're going to feel like you're connected to everyone and everything. That's what's on the other side. I know that because I've experienced it over and over and over again. But every time I'm on the edge of the abyss, it's always terrifying and I don't want to go. So I understand why you have hesitation, why you don't want to do that. You don't have to. I'm just telling you what I know and what I've experienced. And I I bet. But on some level, what I'm saying makes sense to you. It resonates. There's somewhere in your consciousness where you can feel the truth of what I'm saying. Is that true? Does that feel true? Yes. I mean, I have more questions. Right. But I just hypnotized you. Did you see that? (laughs) Well, let me ask my question. (laughs) Yeah. Go ahead. Um. So if I accept this place, if I let myself fall into the abyss Mm -hmm. and I feel that, how does that take me out of the situation that I'm in? You can't know that until you're on the other side. Your your mind cannot make sense of that now. Oh. So you can't think your way out of this. That's the problem. You you want something to hold on to inside your own mind. Mm -hmm. Now to to create the safety, it's like the, the rope to hold on to but it doesn't work that way it's a leap of faith 
No Ugh. rope. Shit. Yeah. You know that. We all know that. No, I know, but I'm in, I'm, I'm in it right now. No, and I I'm know, actually... but I mean, I'm talking to you and, and I'm talking to everybody. You know? right. Oh, because right. Because this is everyone. You're, you're everyone. We're all... Go get I, here in some way. I know that it's a leap of faith. I didn't... I didn't some, some part of me did not know that. When you said it, it made sense. Well, every what's every story about? What's every heroic story about? There's always a moment where the main character has to take some leap of faith, has to trust in something deeper, and go what goes into the unknown, into the shadows, into the into the cave to slay the dragon. They have no idea how it's going to work out. They have to go into the underworld, whatever metaphor you want to use. Mm. That's what it is. That's why those stories resonate. It sucks. I look at listen, I'm not no shame if you don't want to do that. I get it. But why not? It's a fear of annihilation. It's mm-hmm. it's existential fear. This is the thing also that I'm you know, again, we've talked about this countless times, but really zeroing in on it with my clients is this idea that Whatever fear you have, if you keep drilling down on it, it always leads to this deep fear that I won't exist. And that's what the black hole represents. Mm. It's a black hole of nothingness. And if I leap into it, I will no longer exist, which is worse than dying. Scarier than dying in some way. It's like it has a deeper... Uh, more terrifying quality to it. Because if you die, that means at one point you did exist. Right. Right. Mm. It's an existential fear that's not real, is what you're saying. It's not real. Or maybe it is. I don't know. I mean, I don't know. We don't know what's going on here. All I know is the mechanism that I've gone through over and over and over again, whether it's in a process with Anne or someone else or in an ayahuasca ceremony or a vision quest. It's the same pattern. It's the same thing every time. I'm on some precipice and... I have to leap into the unknown and I have to confront my terror and it, it's a leap of faith. And I feel all kinds of feelings that I don't want to feel. And I'm completely out of control and I'm doubting and questioning everything. It's a kind of madness. And when you come out of it, when you regain yourself, suddenly you realize, Oh, I was lost in a delusion. Mm-hmm. I was in the matrix and I couldn't see, which is why God is so important. Why you have to have God, because if you don't have some belief in God, something other, why the fuck would you leap into that black hole? You have to have some degree of faith. If you don't believe in anything higher, the the black hole is going to feel like nothing. None of this is going to seem real or it's gonna have no meaning right i i just think it's like god is like you know you you asked like i said you you can't hold on to anything you have no rope to hang on to but you can hang on to god you Mm -hmm. can pray 
Mm-hmm. And, and if you have faith through that, I have faith. This is going to take me somewhere. I mean, that's what happens at a certain point in an ayahuasca ceremony where you're on the edge where you feel like you want to, well, for me, I just speak for me, where I feel like I want to run the hell out of there or, or this whole thing seems demonic and I have no idea what's real, what's not. I don't even know if, who I am anymore. That is a terrifying place to be. And at a certain point, you either uh, feel like you're going to completely freak out or you just relax into it and say, okay, I'm just going to trust. I'm just going to relax and trust whatever this is. I have to say yes to this. And when you do, something happens. Like it's almost instant when you relax and accept and allow. Like it changes the whole mm-hmm. energy of it. And, uh, and then something new emerges, some new insight, some new wisdom, some, some feeling, and they're back to being connected, which is why I think the most important thing is to just, just to be where you're at, accept where you're at, no judgment. I want to kill my sister. Okay. Just be in that. Be in your anger. Be in your resentment. Let yourself have it. Like, don't act out on it, obviously, in the real real world, but let yourself feel that. And if you let yourself feel that you want to kill your sister, you really let yourself have it. Maybe something will change. Maybe there's something underneath that rage. And if you allow yourself to be with it and feel it, maybe you'll discover what that is. And maybe that will lead you to new insights about her, about you. You can't judge anything. You can't, you can't see something that you're judging. You can't see it clearly. As soon as you put a layer of judgment on it, it's, You've obfuscated, what's the word? You've, you can't see it anymore. Obfuscated? Mm. I don't know if that's the right word, but you've put put something something between you and the thing. And so now it's distorted. Mm. And it's, it's your own mind, right? It's a projection. It's nothing to do with the thing. It's just your projection on the thing. So you have to take your projection off the thing to see the thing. And we all do it. I mean, I've been doing it this whole podcast. I've been judging all kinds of things and people. But if I take a step back, you know, well, we, we kind of did it. It's like evil's necessary. Or maybe it's not even evil. Maybe it's just part of good, whatever whatever you want to call it. But whatever this energy is, the, 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 the energy that wants to kill Joe Rogan, it's necessary. And so in that sense, it must be good. And so if I just, if I just accept it inside myself, if I just accept what this is, all of it, I can really hold that and just say yes to every single thing that's happening. All the madness, all the vaccines, all the COVID, all the lies, all the, the you know, all of it. And just say yes to all of it and what would happen? You know, maybe I'd transcend, maybe I'll see something clear. Maybe, you know, 
I wouldn't be so attached emotionally and and maybe from that place I can just help the whole thing evolve in a more you know in a better way but there's no way out you gotta go through it we're going through it okay end of times Angela uh, it's the end of times and the beginning of times I don't know I wanna uh, I wanna ask you something yes before I think about saying something how much time we're good I want to make sure that that um, you're gonna I want I'm gonna I'm gonna step into the abyss right okay. now. okay and I'm not sure I want this I'm not sure I'm ready to step in. <laughs> I'm just trying something else so I want to guarantee you want to guarantee there's no guarantees I what know. are you talking about but go ahead. You can ask for ask for a guarantee. I want the guarantee. Right. I'm going to ask for the guarantee. Mm-hmm. Um, that you don't put this out, this podcast out, unless I say yes. But that's always the case. I know that's true, but I'm. I guess I'm afraid that if I say what I'm about to say, you're going to be like, "No, we're definitely." <laughs> You know I'll convince you anyway, so it doesn't matter. I just hypnotized you 10 minutes ago. Now you're going jumping in the abyss at work. So go ahead. You have my assurance that I will not podcast or will not publish this podcast without your consent. Thank you. I want to, I want to share something Mm -hmm. that I've only shared with four people now. And pretty recently I shared it. It was something that I was holding in myself for myself, um, with deep intention, um, but not necessarily, you know, for the reasons that I thought I was holding. <laughs> um, but I want to, I, I guess I want to just take a risk and share something, this, this thing um, that I think I've been really scared to share, mm. even with my husband. Mm. The only person that I shared it with was my therapist. Hmm. I didn't even share it with you or, you know, any of my friends. Um, And that is 
who I voted for. This is so I wish, good. I wish you guys could see Dave's face. Right this is so now. good. So happy right now. <laughs> Who did you vote for? Well, in the last election, 2020, when presented with the choices of voting for Trump or Biden, mm -hmm. I decided to do a mushroom journey. <laughs> the mushrooms told you who to vote for? It, kind of. Mm -hmm. I mean, at first I thought, you know, before I had done that, I was thinking that I probably wasn't going to vote. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I just, I didn't have, I didn't know you know, mm -hmm. in myself, like where I wanted to go. And probably on some level I did, but was too afraid to let, let myself even know. Mm -hmm. Um, but I did the mushroom journey and in the mushroom journey, I saw, I saw Trump mm -hmm. and I saw Biden. I saw Literally, like, I felt like I was looking at uh, two different realms of life. Like, yeah. it was two different realities that we were going to be in if, um, if we chose Biden as president, it would be one. And if we chose Trump, it would be another. And it was like I was given a glimpse of what it would be like. And all I can say is that I saw more light coming from the one where Trump was. Mm -hmm. And I saw more darkness in the one where Biden was president. Yeah. And it was, it was uh, surprising mm -hmm. to me. I was surprised and I was like, whoa, that's weird. Mm -hmm. And so then I could feel in myself, I was like, whoa, well, I want a world with more light. Am I, do, do I vote? Is this what I'm doing? Is, mm -hmm. is this, you know, and I kind of felt like, is this what God is kind of bringing through me? Mm -hmm. And I mean, that's a, that's a big statement to say, you know, but it just felt like in that moment, because I, in, personally didn't really know where I was, what I felt or, or that, that I even wanted to vote, mm -hmm. that this felt like, because it felt so surprising to me, it felt like God in a way, mm -hmm. like this was a message, you right. know? And, and then I went into <laughs> probably depths of despair. Really? Well, because the idea of me voting for Trump and then thinking about all the people, all the people, including my husband, mm -hmm. who could not kill me, but it would be devastating, you know, and on some level, possibly to our relationship, possibly to, you know, I don't know, something. Mm -hmm. And I, I could feel the threat of that. And so 
like, I was like, well, how do I resolve this? You know, like if I feel like I'm being guided to vote for Trump, but then there's the possibility of me losing my relationships in some way. The only, the only possible solution I could come up with was to not say anything. Right. That I get to have agency in who I or who I don't share this with. And that was also something, you know, because in my childhood, it was like I had to say everything, you know. I, I mean, I learned to lie very well. But there was also a way in which I felt like I could never keep a secret, mm-hmm. you know. And I couldn't hold things in myself. And so I felt the the power of being able to like, no, I don't have to share this with everyone. Mm-hmm. I get to if I want to, you know. Yeah. But I don't have to. Even if everyone's like, well, if you're not sharing who you voted for, then you must have voted for this person or this person. Or right. you, you must somehow, it's like... They, you know, people can make you bad in any way, you know? Yeah. So it's like, all right, but this is what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. And so, so I voted for Trump. I'm so proud of you. (laughs) And I didn't share it with anyone uh, for a while. And then I shared it with my therapist because I just felt like I needed a safe space to explore my my choices you know and so um and why and you know the whole thing i just wanted to be able to tell tell somebody mm-hmm. and and tell them why I wasn't you know telling other people and so um that felt good and that felt right for a long time up until maybe a couple months ago and um, I was, so my therapist uh, was doing supervision session. And in the supervision session where there are other people on the, the, the call, not just me, you know, mm. it's a group. Um, he suddenly... I wouldn't say subtly, but not so subtly, alluded to the fact that I voted for Trump. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Wow. And then, because he assumed that I had had said it to this person, the other person that was on the supervision Uh call, um, I I guess that's what he, he assumed, but... Um, I, like then the next few minutes were spent trying to like, you know, kind of bring it back, you know? Yeah. Yeah. He realized, you mean? He realized, you know? And so I was just like, and, and, uh, you know, this other person was like, what the fuck is going on here? <laughs> you know? Like she did not know what was happening, you know, right, she did right. something was off, but she didn't know what it was about and she didn't, you know. So anyway, after that, I, I had my session and, you know, I confronted my therapist and I was like, what? And he's like, I, I forgot. I completely forgot, you know. And, and, uh, and he said, I guess it's, 
because it's not that big of a deal to me. Right. But it, you know, and, and he apologized and yeah, we, yeah. we got through it, but it was, it was a big deal for me, mm-hmm. you know, to feel that my therapist is going to reveal this thing that I've kept secret from everyone. <laughs> and so, so then we talked about why I'm keeping it secret. Yeah. And maybe was there shame, you know? Mm. And so we didn't really, we didn't really dive that deeply into it, but I just started to realize, I was like, yeah, maybe there is. And maybe it's time for me to, um, share this and take the leap, you know, and Mm -hmm. jump into the abyss. I don't know what's going to happen, you know? You know, this, this other person that was in the supervision session, (laughs) she was starting to think that our supervisor was losing it because of the way that he was talking. Right. It's like, and I understood the way he was talking was trying to cover up for what he had just done. Right. But I felt like, I was like, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to tell her what was actually happening Mm -hmm. so that she understands like it's not, he's not going crazy. You know, this was him trying to cover up for me, you know? And so I just decided, I was like, I'm going to tell her, you know, who I voted for. Uh huh. Before I even told my husband. Were you I, worried about her reaction? Not really. Right. She's someone who I feel like I can trust and uh, that she won't judge me or mm-hmm. she might be even it's excited by the idea, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, and what she did share was that she was upset with, that, that I, you know, she, she wanted me to tell her earlier, Sure, you know, she'd asked and, and, uh, and she wanted to just be that friend that I, you know, that I told. Right. But she understood, you know, especially when I shared with her about my fears around telling Ferd. And so. How'd that go? Yeah. So then I, once, once I had that experience with her, then I decided, well, I, I got to tell you now. <laughs> So I told you. Yeah. I know. And I think I Come needed on. to feel the support, you know, like mm. I, I, I knew, you know, me telling you, mm-hmm. like, I, of course I'd get, you know, something good, you know? Yeah. And I did. And it felt really, it felt, I felt good. Um, Yeah, it felt good to to have not told you and then to have told you, you mm-hmm. know, like the whole the whole experience of it was, you know, we Yeah, it was good. Mm. And so then I think that that just built my confidence on some level. Like it was like, okay, you know, I can tell there there will be people who support me. You do realize how fucking crazy this is. I mean, I've said this all the time. There was two people running for president. 75 fucking million people voted for this guy. And you, you're having this existent, literally an existential crisis about revealing who you voted for because of like the insane amount of uh, projection transference on the other side, like just the absolute unwillingness of them to like respect anybody that doesn't see the world the way they do. It's fucking crazy that you're even in this position. I just need to say that. Sorry. Okay, continue. Well, I mean, that reminds me you know like 
when I did make the decision that I was going to tell certain people, mm-hmm. you know, I, and I, and talking about my shame with my therapist about it, um, it was sort of that thing that I talked about with Joe Rogan. You know, I voted for a man who, on some level, I felt was going to stand up to my mom. Yeah. And, you know, when when my therapist said that, I thought, oh. Like, I, I mean, I had a breakdown. Mm-hmm. I just could feel the truth of that. Mm-hmm. That was the energy that I wanted. You know, I mean, I, I did see the light in the mushroom journey. You know, and all that is is true. Mm-hmm. But on a deeper level, it was like, that's the energy that I was, I was, I needed as a child, you know, and, and wanted for, mm-hmm. I guess, this country on some level. Like, that's what I, it was something. And, and I could just feel, uh, I mean, I felt my grief, you know, mm-hmm. in that session that I didn't get that on some level. Yeah. And so, um, you know, sharing, I mean, I shared that with you and then, you know, then I was like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to take this risk, you know, because like knowing where it came from felt so good to just like know that, that part of it too, you know, understand this is my projection of who I think Trump is, you know, right? it's, it could be completely wrong, but it, it and some of it absolutely is, but to just understand on that level felt so good. Yeah. You know, how could anyone wrong me for that? This was my childhood. This is my experience, you know, Mm -hmm. but then sharing it with Ferd, (laughs) you know, it was, it was scary, you know, and he wasn't as warm and welcoming of the news, you know, this, this new truth that I was presenting him with. And it was, it was triggering for him. Mm. And I mean, I I don't feel like he, you know, I explained to him what I just said, you know, about my dad and my mom and all of that. And, mm-hmm. you know, he, he, his, I think his argument was something like, well, you think that Trump would be the person to stand up, you know? And, you know, it, it, to him, I think maybe Biden is the stronger person, you know, mm-hmm. in that way. And, I don't see it that way. Right. We see it differently. Right. And I I could see that we saw it differently. And there was no amount of convincing on either side that was going to change our minds, you know? And it made me think, like, I wonder what his projection of Biden is or, you know, like, Mm -hmm. you know, and I know some of his childhood. I don't know all of it, but I know enough to make it, like makes sense for me why he would think that 
And so um, we did. We ended kind of like he's not leaving, you know. He's not. It's just like this is this is what you did. It's what you you felt, mm-hmm. you know. This yeah. And he doesn't agree, but he's you know, it's not, it's not like. Then it was it was just on to the next. Okay, I got a soccer game. I got to go. Right, <laughs> you know? right. Well, it's it's over. The election's over. He lost. Right. Yeah, that's so true. It's... But he didn't. You know, I I was I was like, do you see me any differently? He was like, not really. Hmm. So and I told I told I told when did I tell I told one other friend. Mm-hmm. She she understood. She's you know she's totally you know Biden left all the way you know. But she understood mm-hmm. my my choice, and mm-hmm. that felt good to to feel her her right. in that place, and for her to feel me. How do you feel now, revealing it to the world? How much you love Trump? I mean, you didn't say that. No, I didn't I say that. But come on, he's pretty awesome. No, I can you know, and Dude's when I hilarious. I don't feel the same way as you do. We need to make America great again sign in the window of I don't even studio. think I've listened to any of his talks. What? It's hard for me to listen. What I don't know. What are you talking why. about? That guy's a genius. His talk to the UN early on in his presidency is just it's unbelievable. His talk at, at Mecca is unbelievable. People don't even, they don't even know. They don't even know. They watch two press clips from CNN. They're like, oh my God. Yeah, 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 yeah. Did you hear anything? You're like, dude. Watch, just you know, spend some time and see what he's actually saying. But they can't, they can't see the genius of that great man. Diana don't sees it though. Diana sees mm. it. She loves Trump more than I do. Oh, oh yeah. We laugh and laugh about Trump <laughs> jokes, Trump memes. Yeah. So okay, I'm on the other side. Is yeah. this the other side? Mm, not well, yet i mean once you put the once you put it out <laughs> well once everyone knows i mean just just it, it it feels good you stand behind it it it's it's what i well i faced it i guess with the mob you know because i was at the the joke i made about the the capital protests and then everything came at me gilmore girls actor denies storming the capital but supports those who did uh was the gist of most of the headlines and and it's sort of like the matrix like the bullets are coming at you and you just realize they're they're not real mm. it's just people scream it and they're not they're real but the energy of it is has nothing to do with you it's just angry disaffected people who are looking to project whatever they can't own inside themselves onto you, whatever hatred they have or fears. And once you, you feel that it's, it, they seem insane and it's, so it's hard to take it seriously. And then if you just weather the storm and just realize like, and it's a mass group of people and they have a lot of power collectively, if you let them have power, but if you hold on to your goodness, mm. if just like know your truth, if you stand within yourself, even if even if they say something that's true, like, you know, well, you said this and that was bad. It's like, yeah, that's true. I did say that. That was bad. 
but I'm not bad. Like, I'm never going to let you make me bad. Because I'm not. I'm not bad. Maybe I said bad things. Maybe, you know, maybe Joe Rogan used the N-word. Okay. Maybe he used it in a way that he shouldn't have. I don't know. I know he's not a racist. He knows he's not a racist. So if he doesn't make himself bad, they can't get him. That's what they're going. That's what the lower self wants to do. Wants to make you bad. Wants you to identify with your badness. Because the, if you're identified with your badness, you, you, you're not going to be in contact with God. Mm. So that's the whole game. And they're coming at you nonstop. Just like the devil. He's around every corner waiting. Waiting. For you to make one false move. And then boom. It's coming in. Be proud. It's not even up to you. That's the other thing. It's, you know, they do all these studies about political affiliation. It's, it's in our genetics. I mean, you just use that argument. Is it a cho- It wasn't a choice. I didn't have a choice. It's in my DNA. It's just felt compelled. Did you choose who you're attracted to? No, I'm attracted to somebody. You didn't choose it. Fuck those people, man. <laughs> Fuck them. I mean, I guess this is the test. The test. Can I hold on to my goodness? Yeah. Can you? Did you do something bad? Did you do something wrong? What? What is it? Who cares? It's their problem. I voted for this person. Okay. They're upset. That's that's. It's nothing to do with you. There's nothing to do with you. You owe. You don't owe them anything. You don't. Owe, you don't owe them an explanation. You don't owe them anything. It's like I voted for Trump. Why? Because I wanted to. Why? Is there any answer that I could give you that would be sufficient? It would satisfy you? No. So there's no point. You're not going to understand it. It's not going to make sense to you. I don't want to argue with you about it. I have that choice. I have that right. That's what I did. Can you accept that? No. Okay. Well, do what you have to do. You know, easier said than done, obviously, because, you know, when we're engaged with somebody that we love and who's close to us. But at the end of the day, that's that's what it is. And again, what we teach, it's like, are you willing to stand in your truth, to not betray yourself, to stay in connection with another? Again, why you need God. God gives a fuck that you voted for Trump. Or Biden. I think he secretly loves Trump voters more. Not even secretly. It's obvious. I mean, you saw the light. He knows. It's like, I'm t- listen. You voted for the old man who's senile? I don't know what to tell you. Okay. Obviously, that guy's the devil. What did you think was going to fucking happen, you dummies? But he's really mean on Twitter. Oh, for fuck's sakes. 
<laughs> I mean, you know, arguably you could say that that's why you voted for Trump. Why? Because you needed a dad that would stand up to your mom. I think that's one level, but yeah, of course, of course, because I think I said this before. Yeah, I had a, a hysterical mother and I had to deal with her. Not all the time hysterical, but like, you know, she was young and there was a lot going on and she was, there was, there was yeah, some hysteria and I needed a dad and I needed a strong dad. And, and I saw that happening in the culture. I saw hysteria in the culture, especially when Trump rolled onto the scene. And I saw it in feminism a long time ago, you know? It's like, what the fuck are they talking about? This is, this is, what? None of it made sense. Not obviously the basic tenets of feminism all make sense to me, but where it was going, there was just so much distortion and, and things that felt like lies to me and the way they were maligning men and not taking any responsibility for anything that they were doing. They were just pure victims. And that felt like hysteria to me. And uh, he was the only one willing to push back, Trump. He didn't give a fuck. He did not give a fuck. And so, yeah, I appreciated that. I need, I needed someone to have that courage because I was confused. I mean, Jordan Peterson did that for me too. Mm. When he finally broke through that, that famous interview with Kathy Newman, where she was coming at him with all the classic feminist tropes and he just shot them down. <laughs> <laughs> one after the other and he was totally relaxed and reasonable until she finally was like okay you got me like she you know mm. and i just remember raising my arms like fuck he did it mm. finally someone cracked the code someone exposed that lie mm. and and obviously trump did does not do that with uh well i was going to say the grace of jordan peterson but jordan peterson doesn't always do it with the grace that he showed in that particular interview. You know, Trump's a, he's a bully. Um, but I'm fine with that. You know, it takes a, a bully fights a bully. That's what it is. We're being bullied. He's fucking stuffed up and bullied back. Go fuck yourself. So I like that. But also, you know, I've said this before. We needed the disruption. And he's also operating at a very high level of uh, consciousness and understanding. I know that sounds absurd to people. But he understands what this is. It's all a game. It's all one big reality show. Mm. And that's how he plays it. And that's what's infuriating to people, especially those people who think the game is real. But that's what he showed me. That's what he showed a lot of people. Oh, yeah, the new, yeah, I didn't know the news was fake until Trump came along. And exposed it. Fake news, fake news. I was like, okay, you know, it's just a thing he says. But then you start listening to the news, and I watch Trump closely, and you see what the news would say. Like, that's a lie. That's a lie. That's a lie. That's not true. That never happened. Over and over and over and over again. I'm like, how long have they been lying to me? Is everything a lie? Was the Obama years all a lie? Has everything always been a lie? Is all of history a lie? What the fuck is going on? You know, and Fox News is obviously, you know, in in some way they were originally the most honest because they were, I mean, they were still pretending, but they weren't, they were nudge, nudge, winking, wink, wink. Everybody knew. They knew. 
But then these guys were still pretending. They still pretended. CNN thinks they do straight news. They, they, they actually believe that. It's crazy. They don't believe they're in the tank for Democrats, even though everybody who works there is a Democrat. It's like, really? I think. That's what they think. Seems to me. I don't know. So he did a lot of great things. And who knows? We may get four more years. He seems intent on coming back. Mm. And I don't see how they beat him. Really? Well, who's going to beat him? Biden? Biden's got lower approval ratings than Trump did. What about DeSantis? Well, I would prefer DeSantis, but... Why? I mean, I don't... It's not like I'm following. I just hear certain things and... Um, just because he's, uh, he's going to be a harder, uh, character to, uh, assassinate. He's, uh, he's just uh, shrewder than Trump. He's got more command of himself. And, uh, I think he just, he'll play the game in a more sophisticated way. Mm. Um, I think it'll be harder for the left to just characterize him as a racist psychopath because he's clearly not. So, I mean, that's what they're going to do. That's what they're already trying to do. That's what they do. Uh, and it's. I think it's going to be hard for that to stick on him. It's easier to stick on Trump because he's, you know, he's <laughs> he can't stop talking. So between DeSantis and Trump, you would vote for DeSantis? Well, it depends on the situation. I mean, the negative pleasure I would get from having Trump be the president and watching these fucking... <laughs> Liberals freak out for four years and lose their minds. I don't know if I could give that up, honestly. Sorry. <laughs> I, wa I want to watch you suffer. I want to watch you go insane. I'll be laughing at you as as punishment for what you did for to me in the four years that Trump was president. All the hatred that came at me. Fuck you. I want to watch you suffer. I want you to see that I was right. And I want you to bow down. And... and I won't forgive you. There's nothing you can do to make me forgive you. But uh, yeah, I want to see them suffer. Mm. I want to, I want to feel the their their just deep pain and confusion in a world that no longer makes sense. That's what I want. I hate those people. Mm. I want them. I don't know. I don't want them dead. I don't want that. But also, or vote for Trump, people. Come to the light. Come to one of my workshops. Come to the light. I'm happy to explain reality to you if you'd like. Okay? But um, you're making the choice. You're in the matrix of your own hatred. So if you were to vote for DeSantis, what part of you is voting for DeSantis? Uh, just practical. It just seems like a, a no-nonsense guy that'll get shit done. And he, I don't think he's particularly ideological, which I like. I, I don't think Trump is either, really. I mean, I don't think either of them are like hardcore conservatives in that sense. So I appreciate that. I, I'm not, I don't want ideologues. That's why I don't like the left. They're Right now, they're extremely ideological. And if the right goes that way, I'm, I'm going to move away from the right. It's not like I'm... I'm not ideological. I'm just going, but it feels good to me. 
at this moment, but it could all change. Mm. Two, three, five, I don't know. But I don't see how they, the Democrats win. In two, I mean, that's, part, I think, part of what is going on right now. They have to see the writing on the wall. Who's going to run? Kamala Harris? Biden's too old. That's not going to fly. I mean, who's, it's also who's running this fucking show? It's got to be Obama. What do you mean? Well, who's, Biden's not running things. You think they, they're letting him make decisions about Russia and the economy? Foreign policy? There's no fucking way. Obama's got to be running the show. Who else is there? They love him. Eight years he was president. It makes sense to me. He's like, I don't know, he's in his bat cave on the phone all day. We don't hear from him. Where is he? What's he doing? He's working remotely, but I think he's I think he's running it. Hmm. Makes sense. Who else? I mean, it, it's actually the smartest move. Well, he's a smart guy. He's got eight years experience. He knows how shit works. Biden respects him. It's not like Biden's going to, you know, listen, Barack said, we think we should do this. We think Biden's going to be like, fuck Barack. Or maybe. But I don't think he, I don't think he has any power. I think he, he must know he's a pawn. Or he's so old, he doesn't know anything and it doesn't matter. I don't know. But there's no way that he's actually running the thing. And people can feel that too. So anyway, the point is, I don't know who beats DeSantis, who beats Trump. Biden doesn't. Let's say cheat again. The big lie. Which they probably will. They'll try. And I'm, again, they just cheat better than the, uh, the Republicans cheat. The Democrats just cheat better than them in the last election. Fair enough. It's all a game. I'm down for four more years of Trump. <laughs> well, um, now we know why. <laughs> be fun. Well, come on. I'm, I'm, this is the lower self episode. I know, I know. I'm, I'm just revealing my lower self. I don't really want you people to suffer. <laughs> just five minutes, though. Just have a, just something. Just let go. Just let go. You know, you know. You know the truth. Girls are turned on. All the women are turned on when I, I told them I voted for Trump. You know, these liberal women. They love mean? it. Oh, they love it. Because you're a renegade. You're a bad mm. boy. Women love bad boys. The good girls like the bad boys. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. right. Well, Angela, I mean, <laughs> you're 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 a Trump voter. Will you vote for him again? I mean, it's four years away. Three what is it? Two, three years away? Jeez. Uh, You'll see. Yeah, we'll see. You'll see. We don't know. I might have to do another mushroom journey. This is what you do when you're it's confused. Do. You do yeah, mushrooms. You, and... you play rock, hand, scissors, and I, I, I do mushrooms. Hmm. <laughs> What's more insane? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> what do I do? I don't know what I do. Pull a tarot card. Don't you do? I'm in deep with Diana here. She's she's just. 
Oh my God. It's all coming out now. I mean, how weird she actually is. Hmm. Yeah. It runs deep. Perfect I'm with, match. I'm with a witch. <laughs> She's like, I've come to train you to be a wizard. Mm. Like, oh, really? Yeah, she's doing good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I can see that. Mm-hmm. All right, Angela, I think that's enough. I think so, too. Thank you. Thank you. I think. 